Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. I want to use for a a title or a topic today, Uh, usually I don't do it this way, but this is actually going to be posed more as a question. So when I read about this particular parable, um, I I don't want to even talk more about the Samaritan person. I want to talk about the certain man and the title of the message I want to use today, Can Somebody Please Help Me? Can Somebody Please Help Me? Help me. Now, typically on a Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday, where most people say the message is one dealing with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, or regarding the propitiatory work that, that Jesus did on the cross on Golgotha's Hill, which we normally call Calvary, are usually the messages. But sometimes um, the Lord can lead us to go a different way, but it's, it's still relevant to the message that God wants to give to people. I I was reading a book of Amos, and it was incredible. Um, I believe that we are living in a time analogous to the period when prophet Amos was used by God to stir up the people's hearts. Amos prophesied during a period when there was national optimism. It was great things going on. The people of Israel were blessed, and uh, the economy was good. Uh, Things were rolling really well, but beneath the surface, there was some greed and some corruption and some injustices festering under the surface. Hypocritical religious duty was replaced uh, by true, I mean, I'm sorry, hypocritical religious duty uh, had replaced true worship of God. In other words, they allowed mixture to come into their hearts, and they began to pull away from the reality of Jesus, or the reality of God, and the things that God wanted them to do. And what God did with this sheep herding, fig tree growing prophet, because that's what Amos was. Amos was not a a, a priest, and he wasn't a Levite. Amos was a farmer. Uh, He he grew fig trees, and he had sheep. So I want to let you know here, you don't have to have a theological degree for God to use you. Amos, Amos is one of the minor prophets. It's not minor because the book is insignificant. He's called a minor prophet because the books are small. There's not a whole lot of chapters in it, but Amos is in the writings of God. And so you got to remember this, saints of God. You do not have to have a title for God to use you to the nations. You don't have to be prophet, priest, apostle, deacon, bishop, nothing. You don't have to have any of that for God to use you in a mighty way in the kingdom of God. And he used this man in a mighty way. And in Amos chapter 8, verse 11 and 12, this struck me because I believe when I read these two passages, it's almost as if I was reading the newspaper of today. Amos chapter 8, verse 11 and 12 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine, a deprivation, a drought, a dearth on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Now, usually when you hear about a famine, that famine is something that we can't find food or, or, or famine that there's no water. But God said, because your hearts have become callous, 
I'm sending a famine in the land, and it's not for want of food. It is not for want of thirst, but it is a famine of the word of God. They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. Now, man, let me tell you something. This right here to me, it reads just like today. Because you got people running to and fro looking for stuff. When we look around the world today, people are looking to and fro for answers, but they're not looking for the truth. See, people look to Eastern mysticism for answers, but there's no truth in it. They look to the five pillars of Islam for answers, but there's no truth in it. They look to secular humanism for answers, but there's no truth in it. They look to scientific imperialism for answers, but there's no truth in it. And so a lot of people are looking for answers, but they're not really looking for truth. See, I can give you an answer, but it may not be the thing you need. But if I give you the truth, that's the only thing that's going to set you free. For John 8.32 said the truth shall set you free. But just because I give you truth, it doesn't mean that you're free because the knowledge of a thing is not the possession of it. Just because you think you know something, you haven't really possessed it until you experientially know it. That means you got to go through something with that knowledge. You got to prove out your faith for the Bible said that your faith shall be tried by fire to see what sort it is. The whole world, they're looking for answers. But what they need is truth. And the only place you can find truth is in the word of God. This is the only place you can find truth. But they don't want the word. Because the word will legislate your lifestyle. And people are looking all over the place for spiritual answers by natural means. But the Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I think around verse 14, it says, The natural man can't discern the things of the Spirit of God because it's foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they must be spiritually discerned. There are some things, saints of God, that people in the world are not going to get from you. Stop trying to take them places that they're not ready to go. Some things that people that are in the world, they can't get because it must, be, it must be spiritually discerned. What they need right now is a friend. They need somebody that they can talk to. They need somebody that they can lean on. They need somebody that can encourage them. They need somebody to give them a hug when they need it. Because on the inside, they might be crying out, can somebody help me? And before we try to give people Bible and before we try to debate the word of God, we need to show them love. Can somebody say amen? amen? I thought about when Jesus, uh, at the time when he fed a large group of people uh, until they were content, they were full, their bellies were full. It was about 5,000 men, and if you add the women and children, uh, estimates say it could have been at least as many as 15,000 people that Jesus fed that day. Now, if you go back to the story, I don't have time to take you all the way back, but he had a little, but little as much with God. See, saints, you might look at your finances right now, and you might say, boy, I sure do have a little. But let me tell you something. You can take that little you got and give it over to God, and God will give you a press down, shaking together, running over, miracle in your life, man. If you just take what you got, don't pray for the 2000 if you're not faithful with the $2. But God, I'm telling you, 
God, if you're faithful over a few things, the Bible said he'll make you rule over many. Amen. So Jesus fed them. They were hungry. Let me, let me say this again. They were hungry. Jesus didn't say be blessed. Godspeed. The Lord is going to bless you. Let the Lord use you. Won't he do it? Them brothers are like, no, he hadn't done it. <laughs> Amen. And so Jesus didn't just give them some Christian answer. He told the disciples, because the disciples even came to him and said, send them off so they can go and eat. And he said, what do you have? And the disciples never had seen this kind of miracle before. We read this all the time in the Bible, guys, but the disciples had never seen a miracle like this before. Now, remember, there were 400 years of silence. There were no miracles on the land until Jesus was born. They had not seen anything like this. There was nothing going on in the synagogues. There was no power. There was no anointing. There was no healings. There was no power of God in the land. Nothing until Jesus came on the scene. So they, had, they were beginning to see things that they heard about in the Old Testament. They begin to, those things begin to come back into their minds about, hey, whoa, this is some of the things that God did in the Old Testament. Remember, they didn't have the New Testament. All they had were scrolls. Remember where we are today, right? They had never seen anything like this before. So you probably would have been just like them. I know I would have been. I would have been like Jesus. Hold on, bro. Huh. You, you know we only have two fishes. That's how we would have said in Alabama. <laughs> you know there's only two fishes. And, and, and how much bread? We got five loaves, Jesus. Uh, not count more than, uh, there's 5,000 folks out there, Jesus. There's a lot of folk. Tell them to go in the city and get some food. He said, no, tell them to sit down. So in other words, Jesus was saying, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you how my father can take the little that you got and he can bless it and turn it into much. So the Bible said Jesus prayed over, blessed it, and gave it to them to give it. See, that's the same thing that happens today. Jesus prays over it. He blesses it. He gives it to me as a disciple to give it to you. So that's what meat is. That's what the word is. That's what good teaching is. Jesus blesses the teaching. He blesses it to the Father. The Father gives the blessing down. Jesus gives it to the disciples. And as a disciple, I give it to you so that you can be full. Come on, somebody. So, But I'm talking about filling up your spiritual means. But this was in the natural. So he fed all of those peoples. But what's interesting is the next day. Somebody say the next day. Now, the next day, Jesus was trying to take them to a new spiritual level. He said, now that I got your attention because I fed your bodies, now I want to teach you how to feed your spirit. I want to take you to a whole new level in the spirit. So Jesus began to teach them about his flesh. He wasn't talking about cannibalism. He was talking about eating the word of God and, and drinking his blood. He was talking about spiritual things, about how you got to be in the spirit. So you need the word and the spirit. You can't just have the spirit without the word, and you can't just have the word without the spirit. Because if you got the spirit, Spirit without the word, then that is going to lead you into the occultism. But if you got the word without the spirit, that leads you into legalism. And so you need both of them to work in your life with prayer so that you can go into the holy of holies. So Jesus was trying to take them on a whole new spiritual level, and they looked at Jesus and said, Hold on, this is not feeding my belly. This is a hard teaching. And the Bible said they follow him no more. They got mad. The Bible said they followed him no more. In other words, they rejected what they should have been ingesting. 
Because all those saints of God, you might get your bellies filled. Let me tell you something. There, there are some people, you have helped them and helped them and helped them. You have fed their bellies, and they keep asking for more, and you give them that too. But the moment you start laying down the line, and the moment you say, you know what? You're going to have to get yourself together. You know what? You're going to have to get a job up in this mug. You know what I'm saying? You know what? You need to get an education. I can't just keep bailing you out. But the moment you start talking like that is the moment they walk away. I hope I'm in the right house today. But that did not phase Jesus. He stuck to his destiny to die for it. And I came to tell somebody in here today, you're going to have to be willing to die for your destiny. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about in the flesh. I'm talking about to the flesh. That there's some fleshly things. Glory to God. There are some things, saints of God, that's Killing us when it comes to spiritual things. There are some things, some habits, some things that we're doing every day, some things that we're not doing every day that's keeping us from living a life of holiness and righteousness. I know a lot of times they're not preaching on holiness anymore and they're not talking about righteousness anymore, but righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. It doesn't matter if you got a constitution or a president or whoever's in the White House. What matters is how are you living? Nobody in the White House determines what my house is like. Right. Care who is in it. Care if he's black, white, I don't care who it is. That's my house. Come on, somebody, say that's my house. Yeah. You control your house. Don't you have the power of God? Yeah. Then stop complaining and act like it. Do something about it. Don't just sit back and wait for somebody else to do something. You do something about it. Yeah. Hello. That's what God is looking for. Maybe he want to raise you up to be on the, the city council. What's wrong with that? You can be on the council. You, you're just as intelligent as those people. Hello? Listen, listen, because some of that stuff they're doing is foolishness. And you saying to me that you, come on, you are intelligent on your job. You're intelligent on your ministry. You can do things. You lead projects. You lead people. And you telling me you can't lead something like that because you're not going to be doing it in your own strength anyway. And some of those people, they need the Lord anyway. Am I talking to the right folk? See, sometimes you're going to have to die to the self-life so that God can raise you up. But what do you do when people who claim to love you turn their backs on you? What do you do when you feed people what they need, but they still want more and walk away when you don't give it to them? What do you do when you're hurting so bad and all you need is somebody just to give you an encouraging word? What do you do when you feel like you're all alone? What do you do when you feel like you don't have a friend to talk to? Notice, let's go back to this parable in Luke's gospel, verse 30. Jesus said, a certain man. He didn't say exactly who this man was. <laughs> He didn't give the ethnicity of this man. He never said if this man was rich or poor. He never said that if this man was a Jew or a Gentile. He never said what side of the tracks that this man grew up on. And although this parable was a story of the good Samaritan, but rather than focus on the deeds of the good Samaritan, I would like for you to give me the flexibility just to talk a little bit about this man. Why? Because just like this man, 
Some of you have experienced situations where you have been robbed. You've been robbed of energy. You've been robbed of your time. You've been robbed of your perspective. You've been robbed of your identity. You've been stripped just like this man was stripped. There are some things that the enemy has stripped off of your life. There are some things in some relationships that you've been in. You've allowed people to strip things from your life. This man was left half dead. There are people that have walked away from you when you needed them most. I hope I'm talking to the right people right now. There are people that thought that you were going to just die off. People that thought that what you was going to do was not going to last. They thought that what you were trying to do was not going to be successful. They walked away from you when they when you needed them most. Perhaps this man had never been good enough. Perhaps this man had never done enough. Perhaps this man had never been picked first, but he was always picked on. Uh, perhaps this man always gave more than what he received. The Bible doesn't speak about what this man said, but I think the silence of this man speaks loud and clear that if you were to look on the inside of this man, uh, the only thing that you would hear is can somebody please help me? I believe many people in the church today, they come in and on the outside, they look good. No, they got that Christian response. How you doing? Oh, blessed going in and blessed coming out. Knowing on the inside, you toe up from the floor. You know, on the inside, you're about to lose it. On the inside, you're on the precipice of giving up. On the inside, you're about to lose your mind. But on the outside, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. See, you are a certain man. I'm good. Hey, hey, how are things going? Things are going great. And then when you leave and start your car, I wish somebody had given me a hug today. I wish somebody had heard my heart's cry. All I needed was somebody to look at me with some eyes of encouragement. All I needed was somebody to just come over and say, you know what, it's going to be all right. All I needed was somebody to say, you know what, you're going to get through this. All I needed was somebody to come up here and say, you know what, what the enemy meant for evil, God can turn that thing for your good. All I needed was somebody to say, those he foreknow, he also predestined to become the sons of God. I wish somebody had to look me in the eyes and say, you are better than this. I wish somebody had to say, you are worth more than this. I wish somebody had to say, you know what, God has nothing but good things planned for you. I wish somebody had to look at me and say, you know what, boy, you're going to get over this situation that you're in. But, in. but because I didn't give them the truth about what was going on inside of me, on the outside, I said everything was all right. But on the inside, I was crying because somebody... Can somebody, can I get somebody to please help me? I'm afraid we've, we've, we've gotten into uh, this, this uh, regular response to people. We, we have a default setting. <laughs> we have this default setting that we just automatically say that everything is okay because I don't want anybody trying to get in my business. But saints, there's a problem that people encounter when you don't let anybody in. You can't get out either. And see, you can't sit and complain that nobody knows what you're going through when you don't tell anybody about it. See, the saints are not, they don't, we don't have ESP. We, we can't just figure out what's going on in your life. So at some point, we're going to have to find somebody we trust. 
We're going to have to, see, you can't, let me, let me just, okay. You can't tell everybody the church and stuff. Boy, I got a quickening on that one right there. You can't tell everybody your stuff. Amen. Some people, they may not understand. But the Bible said, blessed is the man that can hold on to your secrets. See, there are some things that you can share with some people, and you know they're not going to use that against you. You know that they're going to love you through it. You know that no matter come hell or high water, bruh, you got a friend in me. And nobody else in this church needs to know what you're going through. Because I know what it is. It's painful for you to go through it because a lot of times I've been through it myself. See, I have been in churches and I have been the one that said everything is okay. I have been the one that said, you know, God is good all the time. And all the time God is good and walked out of the church and, and felt alone. And I felt like I've been ostracized and felt like nobody really knew what I was going through. I have done that myself. But on the inside, I was crying, can somebody? I wish I had somebody. Got to get somebody just to help me. I need some help, Lord. Can you touch one of those saints in the church to say something to me? See, I've, I've talked to people, and listen, please hear my heart. I, I don't knock megachurches. I, I love megachurches. We need them. But I'm just saying I have talked with people that have been in churches with thousands of people. The person sitting next to them never said hello. What is your name? And, and people go to these places every day, every Sunday, and they don't even know people in the church. This is a mess. This is not the way of the Lord. See, I would love to get to know you. It's easy to get to know me. I don't care how big this church gets. You'll still get to know me. That, that, that's, see, Jesus, he never stayed up in the pulpit preaching. Jesus was always with the people. He was always in the marketplace. People say, where's Jesus? He was in the club. Now listen, don't go up in there if you ain't going in there for the right reason. I'm just saying. No, if you're going in there to drink and do your little stuff, you ain't going in for the right reason. Hello, somebody. You just got to, you dealing with an apostle now, so I ain't, I ain't here to tell you no bunch of junk. I'm telling you, you're going to have to live right. See, because I think we have used the name of Jesus so flippantly that when we really need him, he don't even know you're calling. There is the first commandment that says, don't take the Lord's name. See, you don't, you don't do that, guys. When you use his name flippantly, oh, Jesus, oh, God, you just, you just like people in the world. See, I only want to use that name when I need him. So when I need him, he knows, oh, John is in trouble. That name is not to be played with. This is why Peter and John was commanded. You can preach whatever you want to preach, but you better not use that name. That's the name this culture don't want to hear about. That's the name corporate America are afraid of. It's Jesus. You can say Muhammad. You can say Sun Yun Moon. You can say Buddha. You can say uh, Siddhartha Katama. You can say all of these other names. 
because none of those names have any power. But the moment you say Jesus, that's when it's, oh, you can't, oh, no, 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 you can't pray in that name. Well, brother, I can't be praying because if I don't pray in that name, that's the only name that has been given among men by which we can be saved. That at the name of Jesus, every, come on, somebody. And the Bible said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, say they shall be saved. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, are you a whosoever? <laughs> then I'm talking about you. It didn't say whosoever uh, then had this stipulation there. It did, he didn't say whosoever shall call my name. Oh, unless you're a homosexual or whosoever shall call my name. Oh, unless you're a liar or a cheater. Whosoever shall call my name. Oh, unless you're a pimp or a prostitute. He said whosoever shall call my name. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. It doesn't matter what plight you've had. It doesn't matter if you already walked in this church and last night you had a needle stuck in your arm. It does not matter. God says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, God can heal you at the place of your pain. He can take your pain and turn it into passion. If you just come, give your life to him, God says, I'll turn your life around. That's what the resurrection is all about. So when you cry out, can somebody please help me? Man may not help you. Your job may not help you. Your family may not help you. Your friends may not help you. Some people in the church may not help you. But when you call on God, there's a man named Jesus that I know. And this is how my daddy used to preach it. He said, I don't know about any other name, but there's a man named Jesus. He will seek and save your soul. It's the question that a lot of us have. Can somebody please help me? In John 6, 37, the Bible says, All that the Father gives me shall come to me. And him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Saints, I want to tell you something. The Lord, he will never cast you out. What happens, we turn away from him. The question is, if God is so good, why is there so much evil in the world? It's the question that a lot of pastors get asked all the time. And, you know, it's a, it's a great question. But we just can't give some Christian cliche answers. What they're looking for is empirical evidence. The first question I want to ask somebody, how do you know what good is? Because without God, you don't even know what good is. And without God, there would be nothing but evil. So apparently there must be a sovereign somehow because to know evil, somehow you must know good. Otherwise, how will you know evil is not good? Am I talking to the right people here? So you don't have to debate the Bible. You just give them empirical evidence. You make them think. But the person that asked the question controls the conversation. So if anybody is going to dialogue with me, I do the controlling because I ask the question, is God real? No, you tell me if he's real. No, he's not real. Tell me why he's not real. No, you don't ask me the question. I ask you the question. You're the one that want to know, and I'm the one that has the truth. Am I helping somebody? See, see, this is apologetics. You don't have to prove God. He's already proven. You already know that. So why should I prove the man that he's already proven? I don't have, you don't have to help God. You know that? God doesn't need your help. Uzzah tried to help God and he died. You don't have to help God. But on the inside of these people, 
you got to realize they're crying out, can somebody please help me? You can't get to truth believing the five pillars of Islam. And now we have so many little small cults that are rising up today, saints. And especially, let me just talk to my black culture. There's a lot of these black cults that are rising up right now. These black Hebrew Israelites, that, that, is, that is the biggest bunch of mess that I've ever seen. But, but what, they're, what they're pitching, though, is people who have capitalized on the social issues that are going on today called racism. They're not interested in defeating racism. Because the only way you're going to defeat sin is you have to have a savior. Am I talking to the right people this morning? I know this thing just took a turn, but that's okay. That's all right. I'm just, I'm just talking now, right? So there are always going to be people to come up and they're going to question your Christianity or why you believe in this white man's God. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's how they approach a lot of black people. Why you believe this white man's God? So I, I have to ask them, how do you know he's white? So apparently you've seen him. Cl clearly, clearly you've seen him, and why aren't you dead? Because my Bible says no man has seen God and lived. So if you've seen him, you must be the walking dead. You don't let people pull you in a, what Apostle Paul calls vain conversations. That's vain. I don't have time for that. I don't even waste my energy on that. I'll ask you two or three questions. If I feel like it's not going anywhere, I'm going to say, look, let's just go eat somewhere. We don't have to talk about anything about, uh, you know, anything that's got to deal with theology for you to be my friend. Listen, because, see, I want to befriend you because one day you're going to need me. Listen, saints, I don't have to make people believe in this God. It's not my job to make you believe. The Holy Ghost does that. It's my job to teach. Who catches it? They catch it. Now I go home, I wash my hands, I sleep good at night. Because I know I gave the word of God. And I gave people an opportunity to come to the only God that can save you. Amen? And now, you notice I'm standing flat-footed. I'm not, I'm not scared. I don't mind talking to people of other religions. Matter of fact, I love it. I talk to a lot of people who are from India on my job all the time. And I love them. We're friends. There are probably more than 30,000 different deities in India. And in one family, you can worship 10 to 12 to 20 different deities in one household. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The husband and wife, they worship two different deities in the house, same house. That ain't no power in none of them. These folks are crying out for us. And while we're sitting back and comfortable in our little churches, there's people out there dying because they got answers, but they don't have any truth. Saints, that's where you come in. This is where you come in. You spend almost as much time with your co-workers than you do your family. If not more, right? Those people need you. That job needs you. I tell my manager all the time, I said, you know what? If I leave this place, boy, hell is going to break loose. Because my prayers are covered. Man, I'm bold about my, my lifestyle. I'm bold about it. You better get bold about it. Don't you know the moment you step foot in that place, the presence of God walks in there with you? Y'all do realize that, right? You're not just some little person that's taking up a job sitting in a cube. No, your prayers go out to everybody in that place, and you're protecting people. You, are you hearing me, saints? 
Man, everywhere you go, God goes. That's a powerful thing. That's your buddy. He's called the Paracletos. He's the one that comes alongside of you called the Holy Ghost. He's the Spirit of the Son. And only through the Spirit of the Son whereby we can cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. See, he's your daddy only because of Jesus the Son, because of Jesus the Son died for you. But not only that, I love that he died. But you know what I'm more excited about it? He got up. <laughs> because just dying wasn't good enough. But somebody said he got up. Can somebody please help me? We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.